This episode of the Brilliance Plus Passion Podcast is brought to you by Groundhog Day is an event, not a business strategy. Are you ready to finally solve those pesky issues that keep holding back your business success and never seem to go away? Embrace the power of the spring formula that unearths the issues and opportunities burrowed beneath the surface and grow your business so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Claim your copy today at www.thegroundhogbook.com. Welcome to the Brilliance Plus Passion Podcast. Join us as we celebrate entrepreneurs, business creators, and brilliant minds who reveal what they are doing to make the world a better place by being part of it. Be sure to visit our website at www.brilliancepluspassion.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, lean in, tune in, get your notepad and two pens ready, and let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host. I'm honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We're doing a little bit of a change of pace. Normally, you see me wearing one of the driving hats, but today I'm telling you, just say yes. Just <laughs> say yes. It's a title of a book written by Captain Jim Palmer, who's one of our clients, one of our podcast reachers, and who's also been on this show at least twice that I know of. The Brilliance Plus Passion Project is about me having the opportunity to connect with and to spotlight folks who, by their presence as part of the world, make it a better place through their contributions. And today's conversation is somebody I happened to run into on LinkedIn a few weeks ago, and I immediately took a quick look at her profile and was thinking, let's just have her on. Didn't even really didn't even do any vetting here. I just really liked what I saw. So I'm going to introduce you folks now to Dr. Loran Starr, and she's going to tell us more about herself, and she has a very detailed bio, which you can see in the notes for this episode. But just to suffice for right now, um, I'll let you know that she is the author of a book called Evidence-Based Inclusion, and it's time to focus on the right needle. So Dr. Loran Starr, welcome aboard. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Adam, for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I think you and I kind of just had a connection actually on LinkedIn. So I've been dying to get on here and, and share what I'm doing and get to know you better as well. So this Absolutely. is Yep. You also get to meet Princess Alessandra Francesca. Oh, Nobody puts baby girl. in a corner, but maybe she'll do me a favor and at least not walk on the keyboard and interrupt this while we're trying <laughs> to have a conversation here. Mm-hmm. All right. So first question is, uh, and again, I'm going to, I'm letting you tell more of your own story is, How does the work do you do make the world a better place for your clients, customers, and the world at large? I really think that the work that I do, I focus on inclusion, then diversity, then equity. And I really do. Huh? Okay, go ahead. And and I think that the work that I do by, by focusing on inclusion first kind of separates out or shakes out that us versus them. So we've been focused on diversity. You turn on the television, that's all you hear, diversity, 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 diversity. Uh And when we have that in place, it really does become that us versus them, where inclusion brings us all together, where we recognize each other's strengths and differences, um, and we 
build on that. We grow from that. We connect on that. We share ideas on that. Um, diversity is just an affinity. It's just what makes us unique. That's it. You have right. to have that inclusion first. And I think, I think the industry, the DE&I industry, has really created a conundrum where we're almost forced to think about diversity first. How are we different versus how are we the same? So uh -huh. the work that I'm doing really hones in on that, on how are we the same, both in the workplace yeah. as well as education and the social structures. I think it's really important that we recognize that we are more alike than we are different. Yeah, I, I think sometimes it's the – and I love how you start with inclusion rather than just diversity. Mm -hmm. So it's the idea – I mean, you think of fission versus fusion, if you want to think scientific, is the best sure. analogy I can think of here. But here's a practical manifestation of what, to me, is when you bastardize diversity. And I think diversity is a great mm -hmm. thing. I'm all for diversity. I practice it myself. I consciously. Okay. So I um, this happened last year. It was uh, somebody I know who did a presentation for an audience. And they had a PowerPoint deck that I think they had 20 slides for a 60-minute presentation. And they oh. did all the usual stuff to make sure that they were showing stock images of people of different races, colors, and shapes, and all the other stuff. And they mm -hmm. still had somebody in the audience complain because the final slide had among the six people in it a white male. And yeah. they said, and they said, this is not a diverse presentation because once again, you showed that the bottom line is the patriarchy. Yeah, and I think that's... And, and, oh, you want to know what the best part, Lauren? This was a presentation about diversity. <laughs> Exactly. That hits yeah. it right, Adam. That hits it right on the head. That is what right. That's what people think now when we think about diversity. That we need to stop. We need to shift our perspective. We're ninety-eight percent alike. Ninety-eight yeah. percent alike. That leaves two percent that we're not alike. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, just very briefly for our listeners. If you just summarize, what is it that you actually do? I mean, I'm on your website. I see a bunch of things, but how would you describe it in a couple sentences? And then we'll get on to some of the fun questions. Yeah. So I work with an organization right now. I'm the head of their diversity, equity, and inclusion department. Mm -hmm. And it is all about inclusion. I build strategic paradigms around how to build an inclusive organizational culture. What makes me different than a lot of my peers out there is mine's all evidence-based. Like uh -huh. there's data that supports what I'm doing. And not only that, there's data that supports the return on investment. I hold my right. PhD in this area. I am very research and metrics focused. And if, if you're going to have an initiative that's going to focus on inclusion, which will drive diversity, then how, how do we know it's working? So, right. you know, I really hone in on anything that I suggest that we do. I have the numbers that back it up, and I'm not seeing that in the industry as yeah, much as yeah. I'd like to. Well, some, some of it, I think, is just to show we invest in, we support, we yeah. endorse. And uh, But what does that really mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, when we have Pride Months, uh, we have different organizations to endorse. And then I ask, why is it okay to endorse this organization, but not this organization? And is it based on money funneled to political campaigns? We could go on and on and on with yeah. every real, possible, and imagined theory. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I say that, and I say that phrase of possible. Real, possible, and imagined. 
Mm -hmm. And sometimes you don't know what's real, what's possible, and what's imagined. And then who's the arbiter of what's possible or impossible? Who's the Mm -hmm. arbiter of what's real and what's not real? Who's the arbiter of what is or is not a conspiracy theory? See, we can go down so many rabbit holes with this. But I I know that there are some questions that people ask you. And what are just a couple of those common FAQs you get from folks who are asking you about what you do? Yeah, so a lot of people will ask me, how do I know when it's working, right? Yeah. How do I know that inclusion is really working? Um, I know it's really working when we start attracting diverse talent and we keep them. Mm-hmm. And we keep them. That's that's the big, you know, that's the big factor in DE&I work. It's that retention number of our diverse talent, as well as our non-diverse talent, right? Of all yeah. of our talent, let me put it that way. All of our talent, yeah. everyone has a spectrum of diversity in them. Uh-huh. Um, and diversity isn't always seen, right? It's not always skin color or gender. Um, right. There's a lot of different affinities out there. Um, the other question I get asked is, why am I focusing on inclusion when all the studies out there talk about diversity? And to case in point, my dissertation, I looked at thousands of clinical studies and every single one of them had as selection criteria, meaning in order to be included in the study, they had an inclusive foundation. Uh-huh. They had an inclusive foundation. Well, what does that mean? Well, all those benefits are also part of inclusion. And it gets enhanced only by three or four points when diversity comes into the mix. Now, I am not saying we don't need diversity. We absolutely do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nobody's arguing that. But let's put the numbers where the numbers are. And I think we've all been kind of led astray. Um, in the book I'm, in the book that I have, Evidence-Based Inclusion, I spend a great deal of time talking about that, that these are the numbers for inclusion. And diversity sprinkles them up. In other words, you can't have productive conflict if you don't have inclusion already in place. Exactly. If exactly. you not yet, right? Like, Adam, if we have a diverse company, and I love it when companies say I'm diverse, I go, so what? So so what? Yeah. Can we see well, the I mean, turnover rate? Are you creating a revolving door? Just by hiring diversity does not mean that you're doing good. You've That's... got to have that inclusive culture where people feel valued for what they bring to the table, um, that they can share their point of view and have a seat at the table without fear of judgment. Yeah. Yeah. I know we got to move on, but I, uh, you know, I do, um, I do know what it's like to feel myself that I'm mm-hmm. not included in the culture. And I know what it feels like to be the person who seems to be the center of inclusion, but yet see faces around me of folks who feel like they're being left out. Yeah. And also have a fear of reaching out. So there's so many different places we can go with this. And maybe we're going to have to have, we might have to have it on my other show. So, but uh, let's get through this one here. And, uh, (laughs) and uh, so, uh, so first of all, uh, next thing is tell us a couple of questions you wish people would ask. I wish people would ask me why inclusion matters. I wish people would ask me, um, you know, how do we build that inclusive foundation? I want the conversation to shift towards inclusion mm-hmm. rather than diversity. And you know what? We're not even talking equity at this point. Let's leave yeah. equity off the table for right now. Uh-huh. Right? Just from that inclusionary lens, um, how do I know when my organization is inclusive? What yeah. does that look like? 
beyond what the website says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The website can say anything. Oh. I've I've been on committees to create mission, vision, and value statements. Mm-hmm. It's like the mission is we're going to make some money. The vision is it's going to be big money. The values is we're going to have a lot of value. Okay, where do we go from here? That's All right. Now let's. Now, Lorraine, let's shift gears here, and this is where we get to have a little bit of uh, jolly fun here. Uh, first of all, what would people who know you be surprised to learn about you? Uh, that I, I people that know me, that would be shocked to know is that I, I actually don't like conflict. Okay. Um, most people think that I enjoy conflict because I speak truth to power. I have no problem standing up for everyone around me. That doesn't necessarily mean that I love conflict. I actually don't like conflict. Right. So, you can. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I don't like to be in those situations. I will be the one to speak up because uh, I went for so many years feeling like I didn't have a voice. It's yeah. almost like I'm making up for lost time. That doesn't mean I'm enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, there's, 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 yeah, there's two different things. Uh, what do you hope people say about you when you're not around to hear it? When... <laughs> They probably say I'm a little crazy. Um, yeah, when they, I'm not around to hear it, that I'm courageous and that I'm loyal and trustworthy and a great friend. Oh, well, that's, that's that be nice? beautiful. Some, that say that. Be beautiful. Oh, yeah, some say that, Adam. I'm sure some do not. Some would say that she's an incredibly strong woman and that sometimes, you know, turns people off and too bad, so sad. And so, and, and sometimes it's very sad that's used as a pejorative, and I'd like to see a lot less of that in the world. So mm-hmm. at any rate, if you go back in time and change one thing you've done, one thing you've experienced, one thing that's happened, what would it be and why? If I could go back in time, I would probably change, and I thought about this question, what would I change? I would have jumped into DE&I much sooner. Um, instead yeah. of going into sales and marketing and making money there, um, I would have jumped. Yeah. When we started talking about really heavily talking about diversity in the eighties and nineties, that's when I should have been much more active, yeah. but I wasn't, my lens was, you know, my focus was elsewhere. Um, making money was one of those things that sure. I was doing and, um, yeah, yep. Shift my lens, do a little more focus yep. then. What famous person, alive or dead, would you like to meet? And if you had the opportunity, what question would you have for them? I would love to meet Johnny Depp. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? All right. Right? Who yeah. Wouldn't? Who wouldn't? Um, and I want to know what he eats for lunch. That would be the question. Like, what do you eat for lunch? Okay. Because I think I think what people eat for lunch tells us a lot about them. Uh-huh. Like, burgers and fries? Is it, you know, uh, you know, fast food on the way? Is it, you know, are you having a salad salad, or are you drinking a protein shake? Um, are you having a glass of wine with lunch? I see. I see your point. There's so much we can gather out of that and see, you know, having been around some people that we would call celebrities who are world famous for something. I mean, I've had friends who were, um, who were top 40 performing artists, mainstream mm-hmm. charts. Uh, I've uh, met a few actors, uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins being one of them. Yeah, and, uh, right. and uh, you know, what's interesting, what all celebrities have in common, at least that I've encountered, is that it's really great that you admire their work. And uh, it's like, cool, you admire my work. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you buy it? Uh, and, beyond, and, beyond that, and beyond that, they talk work all the time. What's yeah. going to intrigue them is people who show interest in them 
as people. I quickly found this out that uh, yeah. we're you know, even Johnny Depp, and we found this out very publicly over the course of the past year, deals with some of the same shit that a lot of other people deal with. At the end that of the he's, day, yeah. That, and we've gotten insights into his personality and his lifestyle that we rarely get to see. And we find out that when all said and done, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. Puts his pants on like the yep. majority of us put our pants on. And when and when and when you put and when you and when you recognize that these celebrities, when it comes down to it, they're people who live. Mm-hmm. It may be a, it may be at different levels of magnification. They deal with the same stuff we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is what's going to intrigue them. So I bet you nobody ever came up to him and asked him what he has for lunch. Uh, I've about five years ago, I had the opportunity to meet the actor. John Ratzenberger, who played Cliff Clavin on yeah, Cheers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I met him about five years ago. And uh, he told me that I was indeed the first person to tell him that Cliff Clavin inspired them. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. That is sweet. Nice. I had a real thought behind that. I mean, if you look at that Cliff Clavin character, this is somebody who is something of a social misfit. And if you mm-hmm. looked at his background, you saw that he came from a lot of disadvantage in terms of how he was raised and how he was socialized and some of the things he had gone through in life. But despite all that, despite all that, yeah. he, held, he held down an honest job. He was a productive member of society. Yes. He had a circle of friends he was loyal to and were loyal to loyal to him in return. So mm-hmm. the message is if you feel like you're a complete outcast or that there's no place for you in the world, this guy found a place for himself in the world. So can you. I think everyone can. You just have yeah. to put the energy and effort into it. And yeah. Yep. All right. So we have two more we have two more questions here as we wrap up. Uh, these are a lot simpler. Um, I think you'll find is one of which is what motivates and inspires you to keep going when you're having a tough time or facing a challenge? I would have to say my kids motivate me in that sense because I want them Uh to learn, right? Society right now is a, it's a mess. I mean, I don't know that there's any other way to say that society is a mess. We have generations coming about that are lacking critical thinking skills or problem Uh solving skills, or, right, how do I figure this out? And I I do, when I struggle, I want my kids to see me struggling and then to see me resolve that struggle. And my hope is that they learn from that. Um, When I fall down, I am very vocal about that. I'm 100% accountable to myself. I have no problem acknowledging when I put my foot in my mouth. And Uh I want my kids to learn from that. I want them to have that vulnerability and humanity that no one is perfect no yeah. one but yet you go on social media look at me and my 10 best friends it, it's not real it's not real yeah so, yeah they they arbitrarily assign who your 10 best friends are in facebook for example sometimes it's just the 10 most recent people you've connected with the terms <laughs> of accepting friend requests yep. sometimes it's their it's sometimes it's the 10 people that you've interacted with the most. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's and sometimes it's people that their algorithms decide should be the people you connect with, which are usually those folks that are a galactic pain in the ass. You only keep on board because you're related to them. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is yeah. so true. You know, you can't you, you can't really pick your your family, but you can pick your friends on Facebook. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Well, what what I've what I've discovered is like particularly, uh, you know, like Facebook. If you know where to look inside your settings, 
you'll mm-hmm. find that they've already categorized you based on mm-hmm. a number of different factors. Everything from uh, you know taste in music, uh, mm-hmm. uh, movies you like, to political views, and a number of people I know have checked that and have been stunned by how Scary. dead on they were with it. Oh yeah. So what? Now, 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 on the other hand, I know Twitter can do the same thing. So I wonder why does Twitter continue to feed me updates about people I'm not following on Twitter who I can't stand. Yeah, it has to do with it's like it's like it's like it's yeah, it's like you trying to provoke me and make me angry. You'd think you could at least use that stuff to get me more interested. I don't know. I don't know. But final question for you is, and I I know you have an invitation you want to extend to our audience and oh this is a doozy. I can't wait to share this one. I'm gonna share the invitation for you, but you tell us in general what is one action you urge our listeners to take as soon as they finish streaming this within the next minute? I I think you just, you got to go to my website. You've got to go to. W- say, you're not, not. Can't say that. Can't say that. This is like this is like Fast Money and Family Feud. You cannot say what your other family member said. You have to say something else. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The, so the one thing, evidence based inclusion. There's a whole page full of. Can't can't do it. Can't do it. This is the the fast money rule again. What is one action, generally speaking, you urge our listeners to take? (laughs) Just go buy my book. (laughs) I can't do that one either. What what did I put down as an answer? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I love the Brilliance Plus Passion Project. We get to have some fun with this. Uh, Let's say somebody knew nothing about your web pages, books, or anything else but they wanted to take a step forward in doing the things that you would like to see more people doing. What would that be? Oh my to, better the, to better themselves as professionals, to better themselves as people, what would you like them to do? Open themselves up and, and listen to those around them. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, be more inclusive. There we go. Look at the world with the wonder of a five-year-old. There we go. So now, now mm-hmm. we get to find out what the number one answer was. And that is going to be your invitation. So I urge everybody, you're going to see it on your screen right now. Uh, let me just find a banner and pop that bad boy up. It's drloranstar.com forward slash evidence-based inclusion. Yes. And when I said this is a doozy, it is a doozy. You're going to go to this webpage. You are going to find PDFs. You're going to find oh, infographics. Yeah. You're going to find downloads. You're going to find resources. You're going to find a treasure trove of information about evidence-based inclusion, tools, forms, articles. And if you do want to buy the book, there's a button to buy the book. I'm going to buy the book myself. Uh, this is Absolutely. a topic I'm very interested in. So with that, Dr. Loran Starr, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Oh, wonderful. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, Adam. Thank you for tuning into the Brilliance Plus Passion podcast, where we celebrate entrepreneurs, business creators, and brilliant minds who are making a difference for their community, market, and audience. Remember to visit our website at www.brilliancepluspassion.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Brilliance Plus Passion Podcast.